0: From deep inside your audio device of choice. Uh, why not use two audio devices? Why, why have to make a choice? You know, it's about freedom. Ladies and gentlemen, at least 15 government offices and private companies in our freedom-loving friend Saudi Arabia have been hit by another wave of attacks from Shamoon 2. That is malware that leaves hard drives completely erased this is according to the Brit- the uh, UK tech news site, The Register. Shamoon 2, it's not new, first uh, surfaced in 2012, way back in 2012 when it was used in a highly targeted attack against Aramco, that's the Saudi Arabian oil company that pu- happens to pump 10% of the world's crude and uh, 50% of the world's fine. No, it's uh, just the crude. A new and updated version Cropped up last year and again earlier this month. The new attacks this week are more widespread than before. State media also reports the Saudi Arabian Labor Ministry had been hit. Yeah, you know, it's the one that protects the workers so well. The motive for the attacks is known, according to the register, but the malware is thought to be the creation of Iranian state-sponsored hackers. Might be. Retaliation for hacking against Iranian petrochemical facilities between July and September last year, including a big fire. And uh, an Iranian official said the damage was caused by hacking. It appears we could be seeing the first nation-to-nation cyber war between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Get your tickets now. Iran, of course, was a victim of American... Cyber warfare, with the uh, virus designed specifically to destroy its nuclear processing equipment, Stuxnet, and Stuxnet FM. Ladies and gentlemen, last week we, uh, or week before, I, I'm, I'm losing track. Really, too many, too many of these, too many of these shows, and too many of these stories. Uh, one drug company fined for um, being a little lax in keeping track of all of the oxycodone and oxycontin pills that it poured into certain states now we see McKesson the largest drug distributor in the united states agreeing to pay a fine a record fine uh, they're all records these days 150 million and to suspend sales of controlled substances from four distribution centers that's settling allegations the company violated federal law this settlement was uh, attained just before the transition of power. This is the second settlement for McKesson. In 2008, they paid a $13 million fine about the same thing. Well, that that served as a deterrent. That worked. Of course, no actual humans charged, let alone convicted. So another virgin crime by business. The government accused McKesson. It's the fifth largest company in the United States. Did you know that? I didn't know that. See, you learn something almost every month of failing to design and use an effective system to detect suspicious orders from pharmacies for powerful painkillers, such as oxycodone. McKesson filled more than a million and a half orders for controlled substances from June 2008 through May 2013. It reported just 16 of them from a single customer as suspicious, according to the Justice Department. McKesson said it settled in the interest of moving beyond disagreements. They're moving. They're looking forward. In October, the Washington Post reported the DEA had slowed an enforcement campaign against major wholesale drug distributors like McKesson in the face of pressure from the pharmaceutical industry. It's hard to fight a war on drugs when the drugs fight back. Hello. Welcome to the show. Someone From London, England, where it's not quite as cold as it looks. I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen.
1: I just want to say one word to you. Just one word.
2: Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Microplastics.
3: Think about it. Will you think about it? Yes, I will. I've said.
0: Now news of microplastics. Seafood eaters. That's us, isn't it? Ingest up to 11,000 tiny pieces of plastic every year, with dozens of particles becoming embedded in tissues. This is a warning from scientists that is described as sobering by the Prince of Wales. Well, at least he didn't describe it as drunkening. Researchers from the University of Ghent in Belgium believe that microplastics accumulate in the body over time and could be a long-term health risk. But in the long run... And they say the amount of plastic absorbed will only get worse as pollution in the oceans increases. The Prince of Wales has previously described microparticles as, quote, grey goo. <laughs> that puts, that puts a, a spotlight on it. Dr. Colin Jansen, who led the research, said the presence of plastic particles in the body was a concern. Now that we've established they do enter our body and can stay there for quite a while, we do need to know the fate of the plastics, he told Sky News. Where do they go? Are they encapsulated by tissue and forgotten about by the body, or are they causing inflammation or doing other things, he asks. The study is the first comprehensive risk assessment of its kind. Scientists calculated more than 99% of the microplastics pass through the human body, but the rest are broken up by body tissues. You microplastics, break it up. Muscles feed by filtering around 20 liters of seawater a day, They ingest microplastics by accident. No, they don't do it deliberately. I know that. I know my muscles well enough to know that. Most are excreted, but on average, each muscle contains one tiny fragment lodged in its body tissue.
1: Isn't that cute, that little tiny fragment?
0: As plastic pollution builds up in the ocean, that will increase. If current trends continue, there's the key, by the end of the century, people who regularly eat seafood could be consuming 780,000 pieces of plastic a year and absorbing... 4,000 of them. And Prince Charles is sobered by it. And more about microplastics, because there is more. One previously unrecognized source of secondary microplastics is debris from vehicle tires. This, according to themaritimeexecutive.com. <laughs> yeah, true. The emission of rubber particle dust from tire wear may be a major source of microparticle contamination in the sea. Part of the dust flies as particulate matter into the air. The rest lands directly on the road. You know, That figures. Or joining land and from there a proportion will enter surface waters or drains. An unknown proportion will be carried to the sea. The uh, co-editor of the research says this needs further investigation. Please give him another gra- grant. No, he didn't say that. Come on. Now. Just just having fun with the microplastics thing. News of microplastics, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And let's let's do this early. In the, I don't always do it early in the broadcast; mostly late. Let's let's turn it around. The apologies of the week.
4: We're so sorry.
0: Norwegian newspaper Aftenposten. I'm guessing it's an afternoon newspaper. Aftenposten has apologized for a formulation used when describing Jared Kushner's President Trump's son-in-law and senior advisor. A a couple of weeks ago, it wrote in an article about Kushner that, quote, the Jew Kushner reportedly pushed for David M. Friedman as the new ambassador to Israel, unquote. The Norwegian Jewish Society took offense to the wording, asked the newspaper for the apology. Afton Poston's news editor, said the newspaper has sent an apology to the Jewish community, which had objected. Quote, this is a term that has also been used in an anti-Semitic context. It was not our intention to create that kind of negative association. We've discussed this internally. Ouch. Ooh. And concluded that it is right to apologize for the choice of wording. A, uh, a different Norwegian newspaper. A rival, as a matter of fact. Dagbladet. <laughs> Sounds like a euphemism for it. Dagbladet said it no, saw no reason to regret its choice of wording in an article on Kushner, in which the headline asked, quote, what experience does he have besides being a Jew and married into the family, unquote. A Chicago suburban pub that announced a Build-A-Wall burger with amazing Mexican toppings has apologized and rescinded the offer after a swift backlash. You remember him? He played for the card? No, he didn't. A notice on the Facebook page of Dirty Nelly's in Palatine, Illinois, advertised the special listing homemade mole, pico de gallo, and chihuahua cheese among its topping options, or opping top The post, which has since been removed, included six silhouettes of President Trump filled in with a brick wall motif. Some commenters described the offering as offensive and disgusting. One person vowed to take her business to another restaurant that doesn't support racists. Dirty Nelly's removed the the notice two days after it was posted. In its apology, it wrote, Dirty Nellie's is extremely sorry for posting something that was so upsetting to so many people. It was our lame attempt at humor and an attempt to put a little levity into such trying times that severely backfired. The apology concluded with a cancellation of the short-lived burger special. So at least they accomplished something. Quote, we will not be supporting such behavior and will leave all attempts at comedy to the professionals in the future, the post said. That's a good idea. Dateline, Guyman, Oklahoma. In a recent story on immigration and the potential effects of a Trump administration on Gaiman, immigration, and rural America, a pull quote outside of the story in the Guyman Daily Herald caused an uproar around town. Many residents expressed offense. The quote said, No matter where you're from, there's the same amount of good and bad people in every race. Our biggest problems in Gaiman since seaboard has come has been, excuse my French, but the same white trash that has lived here forever. The statement was attributed to Mayor Kim Peterson. Many... Owners phone callers and emailers said the mayor made a poor choice of words. During the this week's city council meeting, he issued the following apology. Personally, I want to publicly apologize for a statement that I made in jest in a recent interview. I regret my poor choice of words, and again I apologize. I'm going to leave humor to the burger company. Adina no, you know he didn't say that. Adina Menzel is currently promoting something. But um, during the promotion She uh, made an offhand comment when she was asked what makes her cry. What song makes her cry? There's uh, certain music that I think is so devastatingly, devastatingly beautiful, it's too painful to listen to. There's this one album I can't listen to. It's so good, it makes me just want to slit my wrists, unquote. She's since received backlash from the National Alliance on Mental Illness and from fans on social media for her remark. Now she's apologized, quote, I recently made a thoughtless comment during an interview and quickly realized how wrong it was. The National Alliance on Mental Illness is right. It is not an appropriate metaphor. I was wrong and truly apologize. She apologized to anyone she may have offended. That's nice. Deadline Troop County, Georgia, the LaGrange police chief in Troop County, has apologized for the agency's role in the brutal lynching that killed a young black man in September 1940. Never too late, Department. The police and city never sought justice for the matter after Austin Calloway was shot repeatedly and left on a rural road to die by a mob in LaGrange. Police uh, says the Reverend L.W. Strickland has have settled the matter by ignoring it. Police Chief Louis Deckmar apologized at Warren Temple United Methodist Church. Quote, we believe this event will be one of the few times and maybe even the first that a local government or police department has ever apologized for a lynching in the United States, he said. That's that's an apology and a boast. Why well, why you could work for the president? A Wichita school Wichita is in Kansas, isn't it? I believe it is. A Wichita school board member has apologized for a comment she made about Indians running loose in schools, saying she did not intend to offend Native Americans. We all run. So, quote, sometimes you wish you could take something back that you said. And unfortunately, that's not possible, says Cheryl Logan. But you certainly can say you're sorry to everybody that heard it. And that's exactly what I'm doing. Uh, she had been discussing the district's better promoting its progress and accomplishments, quote, because I so often out in the community, especially will talk to somebody and they still think there's Indians running loose in our buildings, you know, and that's just not true. Some Native Americans said the comment was inappropriate, but they later Praised Logan for apologizing. You know, President uh, Rodrigo Duterte of the Philippines, he brags about uh, his anti drug program that's uh, killing a lot of drug dealers. But here's one killing he apologized for he issued an apology for the abduction and killing of a South Korean man, allegedly by rogue cops warning those involved in the gruesome crime will pay big. Quote, I apologize for the death of your compatriot. We're very sorry that it had to happen, (laughs) but I can assure you those responsible are known to us already and they will go to prison and I will see to it that they are sentenced to the maximum. That takes care of the jury and the judge. This is what he told several South Koreans. He also warned those involved in the crime they will suffer for their acts. Quote, I'm very sorry for that sort of incident. I can assure you I will see to it. Better if they escape from prison you will suffer. Maybe I can send your heads to South Korea, unquote. This is the president's first public reaction to the scandal that has gripped the Philippine National Police, the institution most vital to his war on drugs. Said the police chief, I want to disappear from this world because of so much shame after what my men did. It shocked the South Korean community, which is a big one in the Philippines. The... Uh, Controversies have been hounding the Philippine National Police, considered one of the most corrupt institutions in the Philippines. Well, if your cops can't be corrupt, you really don't have corruption. You know, you, you shouldn't even. A St. Lawrence, upstate New York County legislator who said former President Obama and his family should be sent, quote, on a one-way trip to Kenya where you were born, unquote, was censured by fellow legislators this week. The vote was 12 to 2, followed a day in which the legislator, Jed LaPierre, issued a public apology. His statement Quote, I would like to apologize for my derogatory remarks made on my personal Facebook page. They were disrespectful and not becoming of a St. Lawrence County representative. This has been a learning experience for me. And in the future, I will express my opinions in a more suitable manner. Unquote. He came under fire earlier this month for a Facebook rant in which he called the former president big ears and described Obama with the line, you and your Muslim brothers. So that didn't stop. And... Attendance numbers weren't the only thing to cause an uproar after President Trump's inauguration. Twitter apologized, admitting it made a mistake when it forced users who were followers of the account Pot- at POTUS to uh, follow the new at POTUS account in wake of the presidential transition. Some users expressed outrage when after unfollowing the account, they unfollowed the new leader. They realized that Twitter had automatically refollowed it for them. Twitter, so sorry. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. One of the um, interviews that President Trump gave this week, he gave a couple of high profile interviews, one to Sean Hannity of Fox News and one to David Muir, uh, uh, anchor of the evening news at ABC News. And uh, in both of them, he discussed, he was asked, he didn't uh, bring it up himself, he was asked, his view of waterboarding and torture. This is from the David Muir interview.
1: When ISIS is doing things that nobody has ever heard of since medieval times, would I feel strongly about waterboarding? As far as I'm concerned, we have to fight fire with fire. Now, with that being said, I'm going with General Mattis. I'm going with my secretary, because I think Pompeo is going to be phenomenal. I'm going to go with what they say. But I have spoken as recently as 24 hours ago with people at the highest level of intelligence and I asked them the question, does it work? Does torture work? And the answer was yes, absolutely. You never saw heads chopped off until a few years ago. Now they chop them off and they put them on camera and they send them all over the world. So we have that and we're not allowed to do anything. We're not playing on an even field. I will say this. I will rely on Pompeo and Mattis and my group. And if they don't want to do, that's fine. If they do want to do, then I will work toward that end. I want to do everything within the bounds of what you're allowed to do legally. But do I feel it works? Absolutely, I feel it works.
2: So you'd be okay with I it? I want president. to keep.
1: No, I want to. No, I will rely on General Mattis. And I'm going to rely on those two people and others. And if they don't want to do it, it's 100% okay with me. Do I think it works? Absolutely.
0: So he, he thinks it works, but he's not going to do it because his two, the two guys that he trusts say they don't think it works. They're not the only ones. In 2009, Shane O'Mara, a neuroscientist at Trinity College, Dublin, sold, told Science Insider that beyond any moral qualms, the scientific evidence indicates that torture doesn't work. Since then, nothing has changed. Omara says, if anything, the accumulating body of evidence is even more definitively against the Trump position. Unquote. Scientists have found that the extreme stress of torture impairs memory and creates false memories. That's useful and can induce psychosis. Well, once you're through with them, who the uh, strategy under Bush was to tweak definitions. Thank you, John. You you're teaching at Berkeley. You're tenured lovely, Um, so that waterboarding was not classified as torture. That doesn't fly, says Metin Basoglu, head of the Trauma Studies section at the Institute of Psychiatry at King's College London. Quote, our work shows that waterboarding is one of the most traumatic forms of torture. Scientifically, there is no question about this issue, so one cannot administer these techniques and remain within the bounds of the law at the same time, unquote. And then there's Juan Mendez, who is the special rapporteur on torture for the U.N. Oh, the U.N., please. Oh, wait, we're in a rules-based international order. I forgot. This is the new formulation. Um, this is Juan Mendez speaking to a uh, an Australian radio reporter, Mark Colvin
4: a few years back on the subject.
2: There's no question that in international law, waterboarding
5: is
4: torture. I don't think there is any question, any serious question. I mean, it's a, it's a question of severity. If if you think that waterboarding is not severe mistreatment, you don't really know what waterboarding is. But, you know, if, if, if it, 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 just with the definition that it's designed to create a sen- sensation of asphyxia, you can tell that it's severe. If you then redefine upwards the severity standard To say that it's only severe if it's organ failure or death, then, you know, you're really very clearly distorting the the sense of the words. And, And, you know, words have to be interpreted in treaty language. They have to be interpreted in their plain meaning. And the plain meaning couldn't be more clear in the case of waterboarding. I would rather, you know, follow the rulings of the European Court of Human Rights that said, you know, any... Violence against a detainee that is not motivated by his own conduct is, is, is clearly prohibited. And by the way, cruel and human undergrading treatment is prohibited. It's a, the memo tends to say, well, you won't be prosecuted, but it, it, it doesn't clearly say, but you're violating the law anyway. Whether it's a war crime or crime against humanity, it doesn't matter. The, the single act of torture is an international crime.
2: So where does that leave Dick Cheney and George Bush?
4: Well, I think they're, they're left uh, with uh, the obligation of the United States government to investigate, you know, to the best of its capabilities, and then to decide who is to be prosecuted and who is not. And I'm disappointing about is that even under the Obama administration, the government of the United States is not seriously pursuing these uh, episodes. I mean, with a false sense of not being partisan, etc. They're Maybe it it looks like they have put a stop to torture. At least I don't keep my fingers crossed that I'm not wrong. But there's no evidence that they're actually pursuing this the way they they should, the way they are obliged by international law to do.
0: I I know, but come on, international. Oh, right. Yes, we're rules-based order. I forgot. The president, of course, did say four very important words on the subject. The former president they were if you recall we tortured some folks
3: you gotta remember we were really afraid we'd ignored the warnings and then we got played there was a panic in the White House panic at state panic at the Pentagon people working really late They were patriots. They cared and they fought. What the contractors sold, they bought. So we rendered some Arabs with the help of the blokes. Like it or not, we we tortured some folks. we didn't think it was torture per se. That's what the White House counsel said back in the day. Enhanced interrogation is how it was known. So we slapped and waterboarded and froze to the bone. Sure, it violated our values and laws, but we were more scared than when we first saw Jaws. Some very good men did some very bad things. But who among us knows why the case bird sings? So we tormented some Muslims, then went out for some smokes. It hurts to say it, but we We tortured tortured some folks. we could look backwards. We could game the blame. We could point fingers. We could wallow in shame. We could punish the guilty for each little flaw, as we're supposed to do under international law. We could say we're sorry, which we never do, because we're exceptional. And so are you. So let's leave it at this. Let's leave it unseen. Let's look to the future and wipe the slate clean. You don't want to pursue this. Neither do I. It would be like busting me now because I used to get high. So let's pretend we don't hear the screams and the croaks and just tell our grandkids. We We torture
0: some folks. No jokes. The show continues after this important message.
6: They said the Internet ended the era of the bar bet.
0: He broke his bat in Game 6. Nope, Game 5. Game 6, right here on my phone.
6: They said marriage arguments could now be settled with one click. Honey, we couldn't have been at your folks' house that weekend. That was Halloween. It was leap year. Halloween was a day later. Look, see? But you know what? They were wrong. Hi, I'm Kellyanne, the blonde you love to hate with the best news since faith-based reality. Now the Internet can be on your side, thanks to AlternativeFacts.com. Imagine an alternative answer to any question, a way to free yourself and your family and friends from the tyranny of Google and Wikipedia. Our patented Alternative Facts generator engine harnesses cutting-edge artificial intelligence technology to produce believable fact-related answers to your questions. Any question, anytime, time, 24-7. But here's the key to why AlternativeFacts.com will change your life. Through what our data mining system already knows about you, the answers are personalized to you and what you already believe and know. No more embarrassment in front of friends, family, or employers.
0: Wow, your phone says game five. All right, dude, drinks on the house. Huh,
6: this says they skipped a leap year. I'm sorry, I doubted you, honey. For any device for your entire connected world, AlternativeFacts.com connects you... To the answers you want Designed by top professionals in the field AlternativeFacts.com doesn't look like Some scuzzy fake news site Because it isn't one It's the same alternative fact generator engine Used by top professionals And now their secret is yours too But don't take my word for it Even though I'm being paid to not lie to you Try AlternativeFacts.com on a free 10 day trial We're so sure you'll want to subscribe After those 10 days We'll already sign you up What have you got to lose except self-doubt? AlternativeFacts.com. Our truth will set you free.
7: Today, I really thought I'd reach the other side. That spot, that point on the horizon that I've always seen. Should've up, oh well, here I go again I-
0: From London, this is La show. There's a documentary on uh, PBS, of all places, about uh, Rachel Carson, author of *Silent Spring*, who was the first, really, to warn us about the danger of synthetic chemicals. Uh, they bring, arguably, some uh, short-term benefits, but she was the one who pointed out first in great detail and uh, with great scientific accuracy, that they have uh, long-term detrimental effects on the environment. That's, that was a long time ago. We've learned a lot more. Oh, well, m- maybe we won't. U.S. government funding for studies of how synthetic chemicals affect the environment, according to Science Magazine, is not keeping pace with the rapid expansion of these substances. Pharmaceuticals, pesticides, and industrial agents. Everybody's got an agent now. There's been a precipitous decline since the 1980s in the amount of money available for external research grants at the EPA. <laughs> Just wait, which is primarily responsible for regulating chemical use. Four researchers noted this last month in an article in Environmental Science and Technology. Relatively few journal papers or grants from the National Science Foundation uh, Environmental Biology Division focus on the issue that's according to frontiers in ecology and the environment one result quote chemicals continue to be approved for commercial use even though their environmental impacts are unknown that's from the article in environmental science and technology the production of synthetic chemicals has increased dramatically since the 1970s millions of new substances are created every year it's a lot of chemicals And the accelerating pace of commercial chemical introductions now, quote, exceeds that of most previously recognized agents of global change, unquote, such as nutrient pollution and habitat destruction. That's from the Frontiers in Ecology and the Environment article. Well, what you don't know can't hurt you. You uh, probably noticed, kept track, unless you were uh, in radical hiding mode of all the stuff that was going on this week involving the new president of the United States. I mentioned the uh, television interviews he gave to uh, David Muir, uh, most notably, and also to Sean Hannity. And um, he also had the first visit from a, a foreign leader this week. British Conservative British Prime Minister Theresa May visited the White House. They held a uh, joint press conference at which... His tie matched her suit, or vice versa. It, it, I know, it, 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 it took a long time to absorb all of that. There's, there's a, a quicker way to do it. This week, for the first time, reality speeds up the pace at the White House. And those who
2: are seeking the approval of the businessman turned chief executive know that everything is on the line, as well as everything else. Mr. President, uh, again, just a few more moments of setup, and we'll be ready to go. Oh, I understand, David. I used to be in that business. I get it. You were uh, very successful in our business. Successful? I had a number one show. You've never been a number one yet, have you? Uh, We're getting there. Good, because you're nice. You know I watch every day. You you must have something better to do than to watch my... No, to tell you the truth, I don't. You're terrific. Well... I mean... I can't watch that Scott Peller. Clara Peller I liked with the, uh, where's the beef? Scott, not so much. He's like a grim, like a bad substitute teacher. You alike? like. Th- thank you. I, uh, they're, they're just like, if you can sit back down. I can, and I will. But I have a task for you, David. Yes, sir. And if you weren't such a nice person, I wouldn't even bother asking, because, you know, it's not a big deal. Your people are still setting up, right? Uh, almost there, sir. No more than two... Terrific. So here's your task. Just shoot me from the right side. Uh, we have a couple angles, sir. The straight on... I I don't care about the straight on. It's fine. But the side shot... Yes, sir? The right side. That's the side that shoot on the apprentice, and it was... Number one for more years than I care to remember, believe me. Boy, well, I, I think it was just one year, wasn't it? And you've been number one for how many? It's like <laughs> zero, right? Oh. So can you shoot me from the right side? Don't get me wrong. Both are great, but you can do it, right? Um, guys, move the cameras or move the chairs. Okay, sir. Right side it is. This, as you know, is uh, the best of Churchill. Yes, of course. You do respect him, don't you? Mm. Very special person. Very special. Do you ever find yourself looking at that bust and asking yourself, I wonder what he was thinking at that moment? That's a very good question. Mm. I think he was probably thinking that he wanted to get back to work. I think we have that in common. I think we all do, Mr. President. Uh, Listen, I know that there's uh, the protocols and everything. People who work for me know I don't operate that way. Uh, I'm supposed to call you Madam Prime Minister? Well, of course, Can I call you Teresa? I just think it's a beautiful name, a very special name. As a matter of fact, it was my grandmother's name. See? I knew it was special. And it's also just a terrific way to get a bond going. Donald, I would be pleased if you would. Donald? I don't see a Donald in here, just a Mr. Trump. Oh, of course. Teresa, I know it's not my place here, your own boss and everything. Here's the deal. I uh, I have a task for you at the end of this meeting. Well, whatever I can do to solidify this relationship, because, as you know, a bilateral trade agreement is a very high... Of course, of course, but your task is simple... Just hold my hand as we walk out. Can you do that? Well, I think a lot of my colleagues in Parliament might tell you I'm not exactly the warm and fuzzy type. Exactly. So it sends a message. What do you think? Well, if you're holding my hand,
7: mm-hmm.
2: I have to assume you're not grabbing anything else. <laughs> okay. New team. New tasks, same mission. We really are going to make this format great again, believe me. Now, the world is his boardroom. The presidentis. This week, fear is not an option.
0: One more item about the new president. New York Times reports, and this is interesting uh, primarily because of all the furor directed at the insecurity of Hillary Clinton's private email server, in, uh, insecurity in terms of uh, national security material being on it, it not being uh, protected, as it might otherwise have been. Attention drawn to that by her critics, including the FBI director and Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump is in the White House, where he's using, according to the New York Times, a conventional Android phone to post on Twitter. He's using his own f- Old phone to uh, do the tweeting, not making phone calls on it. But security experts consulted by the British tech journal, The Register, warned that Trump's use of a personal device opens the door to potential attacks. A uh, CEO of a mobile security Firm says, quote, the president has reportedly begin, been given a locked down phone by the NSA. So, who is using the Android phone for tweeting and what other information and services does it have access to? Does it have any security measures on it? Mobile devices, he continues, are extremely vulnerable to being exploited by hackers and turned into surveillance devices, recording conversations, location tracking, capturing data on devices, and forwarding it, even taking video footage. Oh, please. German Chancellor Merkel's second smartphone, which she used for party business, was infamously hacked by multiple intel agencies, including, but not limited to, our NSA. The uh, CEO of the mobile security firm continued, quote, if the president or even one of his core team is using a second device, it has to be fully secured against all threats. All it takes is clicking on a single malicious link or opening an innocent-looking attachment to compromise the device, and these can easily look as if they come from a trusted source. So Russia, go hack President Trump's Android phone. I'm just saying that the way he said Russia, go hack Hillary's emails. I'm not giving actual instructions to the Russians, you understand. Nor do they listen to me. I don't think this program is carried in Russia. Yet. But you know, Year 34, there's hope. And now, News of the Warm, won't you? Copy, uh, copyrighted, award-winning News of the warm. Soft,
2: listen to the
0: warm. Too many modifiers? I don't think so. We
7: can listen to the warm.
0: During the last Ice Age, remember that? Australia, Tasmania, and New Guinea formed a single landmass called Sahul. I don't think they called it that then. We've called it that, Le- you know, more recently. A strange and often hostile place populated by a bizarre cast of giant animals. We mentioned those animals last week. The megafauna. 500 pound kangaroos. Marsupial tapers the size of horses. Wombat-like creatures the size of hippos. The wombats have gotten bigger since we talked. Flightless birds that weighed twice as much as The emu of current use. Thirty three foot snakes Thank you. I'll I'll cancel my flight to Sahul. Twenty foot crocodiles, Ditto, eight foot turtles with horned heads and spiked tails. Those would be good in a in a Geico commercial. And giant monitor lizards that measured greater than six feet from tip to tail and were likely venomous. Why 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 experiment? Why take a chance? These megafauna disappeared from the Sahul as a part of a global mass extinction. Now, last week, we quoted experts who said that was basically because of the introduction of humans into Australia. But a new study argues that the gradual drying out of Australia and weakening of the Australian monsoon played a major role in their demise. A new study has compared a diet of a variety of Australian megafaunal herbivores from the period when they were widespread, 350 to 570,000 years, years ago, to a period when they were in decline, 30 to 40,000 years ago, studying their fossil teeth. The analysis suggests that climate change had a significant effect on their diets and may well have been a primary factor in their extinction. Quote, we have found the evidence that as the climate was changing and getting drier, animal diets were shifting dramatically said the director of the study. If climate change was a primary or contributing factor to their demise, as it appears, we need to pay more attention to how current levels of climate change are affecting animals today. This was uh, published in the journal Paleobiology. I read it for the articles. I do. A leading paleontologist at the University of New South Wales, who was not involved in the study, said this new study based on hard evidence makes it clear changes in late Pleistocene climate have major impact on the late Pleistocene megafauna of Australia. Even more evidence being added to challenge the imaginative a priori assumption that blitzkrieg by early humans caused the extinction of the, can- of the continent's lost megafauna. The teeth that were analyzed came from the Cuddy Springs site in southeastern Australia. In case you want to travel there and see some megafauna teeth. In few places are the effects of climate change more pronounced... They're pronounced. They're pronounced effects of climate change are more pronounced than on the tropical peaks like Mount Kilimanjaro and Mount Kenya, where centuries-old glaciers have all but melted completely away. Now, new research suggests future warming on these peaks could be even greater than is predicted by current climate models. I like models. Researchers led by a Brown University geologist reconstructed temperatures over the past 25,000 years on Mount Kenya, Africa's second-highest peak, After Kilimanjaro, the work shows that as the world began rapidly warming from the last ice age, 18,000 years ago, mean annual temperatures high on the mountain increased much more quickly than in areas closer to sea level nearby. At an elevation of 10,000 feet, mean annual temperature rose 5.5 degrees Celsius from the ice age to the pre-industrial period, according to the study, compared to warming about 2 degrees at sea level. Since uh, these models going backwards underestimate the temperature changes at elevation, says the researcher. That implies that the models may similarly underestimate high elevation warming in the future. It's published in Science Advances. It's a big assumption. We'll go along with it. And coral reefs that survive rapid bleaching fueled by global warming remain deeply damaged with little prospect of full recovery. Researchers said this week, 16 years after the 1998 El Nino ravaged coral in the Indian Ocean Seychelles archipelago, no reefs had recovered their original growth rates. Barely a third were expanding at all, they reported in a study. The first to track coral health over a two-decade period. And there's there's no coral health care at all. There's also important qualitative changes in the coral A dozen of 21 reefs tracked from 1994 were still struggling a couple years ago against leafy algae, sea urchins and parrotfish to restore their original balance of shallow water flora and fauna. The rest underwent what marine biologists call a regime shift in which Saddam Hussein over. No, sorry. And are today composed of a new and far less diverse mix of corals. At any given site, there were at least 35 types of coral in 1994, said lead author. Today, we see 5 to 10. Unless they just don't, you know, like to mix like they used to. News of the Warm, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. To be followed immediately by News of the Atom. Our friend the Atom. Clean. Safe.
2: Same to save to meet her.
0: Save, save to save to meet her. Addie the Atom. Enjoying London? Eh. Yeah. It's a little weird. Why? Uh, you know, the big fog uh, beginning of the week? Yes. Big, big fog. London fog. I
2: couldn't see my own corks.
0: Wow. That's got to be disorienting. Dateline London. The British government was accused of covering up a failed test of its nuclear weapons deterrent last year. Just weeks before lawmakers voted to renew the system, Prime Minister May refused to say whether she knew about the reported malfunction of an unarmed missile when she urged members of Parliament to support updating the Trident nuclear system. Ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is votes. Yeah. The Sunday Times newspaper, owned by Rupert Murdoch, citing a senior naval source... Was he gazing? I don't know. ...claimed that the Trident 2D5 missile failed after being launched from a British submarine off the coast of Florida in June. It's nice there in June. I guess too nice for the missile. The cause of the failure is top secret. The source suggested the missile may have veered off in the wrong direction, towards the United States. It just wanted to summer in Florida. I guess a more, more sentient missile than we thought. There was a major panic at the highest level of government and the military after the first test of our nuclear deterrent, deterrent in four years ended in disastrous failure, the source told the paper. Ultimately, Downing Street decided to cover up the failed test. If the information was made public, they knew how damaging it would be to the credibility of our nuclear deterrent. May was not Prime Minister. That's the source of the, uh, at the Times, Sunday Times. May, Prime Minister May was not Prime Minister at the time of the test, but she uh, took office shortly before the vote and successfully lobbied lawmakers to approve the 47, 50, sorry $50.7 billion project in a BBC interview a week ago with Andrew Marr she sidestepped questions about whether she knew about the malfunction when she made her statement to members of Parliament. Sidestepping is a way to step. The, you speak as one with no legs. True. The long-planned cleanup of the Santa Susana Field Laboratory in Southern California, site of a 1959 partial nuclear meltdown. Had you heard about this? No, I wasn't born then. Atoms aren't born. They're made. I know and other radioactive and chemical contamination over the years has happened there as well. This has again been delayed, has the cleanup, and will now be missing its newest completion deadline, 2017, set a decade ago. Well, they're getting good at delaying the cleanup. They're getting very good at it. Cleanup activists already deeply frustrated at how protracted the remediation has become at the site in the hills east of CME Valley. You can drop by the Reagan Library while you're there. Wow, you're a font of Something were further vexed, were the activists by a statement this month from the California Department of Toxic Substances Control that the cleanup won't even begin until this year or next. It's a bit uh, ambiguous for a Department of Toxic Substances Control. It is. Yeah. I'm deeply troubled. The toxic agency has broken its pledge that the contamination would all be cleaned up by 2017, said the director of the program in environmental and nuclear policy at UC Santa Cruz. The end eaters. The ant eaters, yeah, and now they're saying it won't even start until perhaps 2018, if it happens at all. A soil cleanup was to be completed this year under consent orders signed by the department, which is overseeing the cleanup, and the site's other stakeholders: Boeing, NASA, and the U.S. Department of Energy. Well, Rick Perry will take care of it. I I think he will. A planned groundwater cleanup could take decades, even centuries, to complete, the department says. We got time. This is a really, really big deal, said Hirsch. They promised it would be cleaned up by 2017. It isn't even starting by then. Boeing owns most of the site.
6: They're busy making planes.
0: They are. Toshiba will cease taking orders related to the building of nuclear power stations in a move that would effectively mark its withdrawal from the nuclear plant construction business. Toshiba, we hardly knew ye. The news comes from it reports Toshiba's chairman may resign over the massive write-down that has doomed the company's U.S. nuclear business. It's going to spin off its chip business to raise funds in a bid to cover the losses from the nuke operations. Chips are good. Chips are good. So's DIP. After Toshiba ceases taking new orders, it will focus on maintenance and decommissioning operations, according to two uh, sources. It will continue work on four nuclear plants under construction in the United States that are expected to be completed by 2020. I'm sure now they're going out of the business, they'll hit the deadline right, right on the money. Mm-hmm. The uh, company chairman, Mr. Shiga, is going to resign. He once served as president of the U.S. nuclear unit, Westinghouse. Toshiba says Westinghouse could face a multi-billion dollar loss due to cost overruns from delays in plant projects. You can't be sure if it's Westinghouse. You're not old enough to know that. A plan to remove spent nuclear fuel from the Fouke plant has been postponed again due to delays in preparation. It's all preparation, no age. That's... What it looks like. Work is now set to begin in fiscal 2018 at the earliest, according to the Business Daily, the Nikkei. Removal of the spent fuel from the number 3 reactor was originally scheduled in the first half of fiscal 2015, later revised to fiscal 2017 due to high levels of radioactivity around the facilities. Couldn't remove the radioactive fuel because of the radioactivity. Mm-hmm. The timeline has been changed again. It's taking longer than expected to decontaminate buildings and clean up debris. And... Apparent security-related violations were verified during a Nuclear Regulatory Commission inspection of the nuclear power plant near Richland, Washington, according to a letter made public this week. Inspection results for the Columbia Generating Station are being considered for escalated enforcement action. Clean, cheap, too escalated Demeter, to Our friend, the Atom. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations, over NPR worldwide throughout Europe. You send 440 cable system in Japan, around the world, through the facilities of the American Forces Network, up and down the east coast of North America via the shortwave giant WBCQ, the planet, seven point four nine oh megahertz. Count them. Shortwave. On the Mighty 104 in Berlin. Count those. On Soho Radio in London equally mighty around the world via the internet at two different locations live and archive whenever you want it at harryshearer.com and kcsn.org available for your smartphone through stitcher.com and available as a free podcast from Saito Network SoundCloud iTunes tunein.com and wwno.org and it'd be just like Getting the president a secure phone to tweet on. If you'd agree to join with me then. Would well, you already? Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Tiffin the show chapot to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Exile and Hawaii desk. Thanks, as always, to Pam Halstead and to Jenny Lawson at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program? Yes. There's still email. Actually, read it a playlist of the music heard here on and your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts for your Valentine all at HarryShare.com. and I'm on Twitter from a secure device at the Share. the show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network along from London.